Hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with MBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you for joining us. It is Thursday, August the 3rd, 2023, and uh, today we're going to be talking with uh, Leo Holman about Russia's role in the coming New World Order, and uh, they've been in the news, obviously, a lot the last uh, year and a half or so with the war in Ukraine, and uh, I've kind of followed Russia's role prophetically for many, many, many years, but you know, uh, it's interesting, you get different perspectives, uh, you know, especially with the mixed up news media and the fake news, and so we're going to kind of sort some of that out and get Leo's expert opinion on uh, all of that. Uh, before we bring him on, let me uh, mention uh, a couple of quick announcements. First of all, I want to encourage you to uh, always uh, check out our website at notbyworks.org, where you'll find all of our new uh, information, new content, videos, uh, podcasts, devotionals, things like that, as well as announcements about upcoming speaking engagements and other resources for you there at notbyworks.org. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the homepage. Just put in your email address, and you'll be uh, getting our twice-weekly newsletter that goes out, kind of keeping you up to speed. Been a great week already this week. Uh, we've had David Fiorazzo on. We had, of course, our Prophecy Night on Tuesday night as we talked about the growing obsession with outer space and how that uh, relates to some of the signs of the times that we read about in the Bible prophetically. And then, uh, of course, uh, Wednesday was World Events Update with Randy. And uh, we're not done yet. After our uh, podcast today with uh, Leo Homan, we've got uh, Lucas Doremus back on tomorrow to continue our discussion of uh, the enigmatic parables of the kingdom and how that relates to Bible prophecy. And then, of course, Saturday is the third installment of our limited series on preparedness, and we'll be talking about uh, how to prepare for an economic uh, collapse. But today, our attention turns to uh, Leo Homan and uh, specifically Russia, but all things uh, geopolitical. Leo, thanks so much for joining us again today. Yeah, thanks for having me, JB. So uh, your website, again, leohoman.com, and I think it's substack.leohoman.com. Is that right? Well uh, leohoman.substack.com. Okay. All right. I got it. Uh, I got it reversed a little bit there. Uh, leohoman.substack.com. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, uh, what do you call it when you reverse, uh, dyslexic? Letter? Yeah. I'm a little dyslexic sometimes. So, uh, by the way, you heard about the, uh, dyslexic atheist or the dyslexic agnostic insomniac. Have you heard about him? No, but that'd be difficult for to say 10 times in a row. Yes, it is difficult to say, <laughs> especially when my mouth isn't quite working yet uh, this morning. But yeah, the dyslexic agnostic insomniac. He stays awake all night wondering if there's a dog. So anyway, that's uh, no, <laughs> no extra charge for that. But uh, so uh, tell us uh, what's going on with Russia. You know, you're, one of your articles, your articles are always so great. Uh, if you have not signed up for his Substack, he's got varying levels of uh, subscription there, uh, but he's also got some just general public articles he's written for uh, a who's who of major publications and websites. But uh, your article about how uh, Russia cannot be defeated because of its nuclear uh, power, you were, were quoting uh, Viktor Orban, but kind of dive in and tell us a little bit about what's going on with Russia. Yeah, uh, Orban made this statement a couple days ago that is actually almost verbatim uh, in content, in, in, in the thrust of what he was trying to say to a, a column that I wrote uh, about a year ago or close to it, shortly after this war started. I never really understood the Western position on this war, um, especially as we started escalating it. Uh, and then I found out, you know, that there was actually a peace pact on the table between Putin and Zelensky uh, in April of 2022, just a couple months after the war started. They were ready to sit down at the peace table and uh, sign an agreement, uh, which would have ended the, di the, the, the killing. But the U.S. government dispatched Boris Johnson to Ukraine, uh, Boris Johnson, the former prime minister of the U.K., to put the kibosh on that deal. Uh, the U.S. in no way, shape, or form wanted to uh, even consider that this could be a short, quick war uh, and that the two sides now agree on a, uh, a, a, 
a path forward, uh, which really all Russia wanted was a guarantee of Ukrainian neutrality. That was the big thing that the Russians, not just Putin, you know, the West and the Western media wants to make this all about Putin. Uh, and if they really knew anything about Russia, they'd realize that Putin is actually a pretty reasonable, rational, uh, moderate Russian. Uh, there's much if they think they try to portray Putin as this Hitler-esque madman, right? You know, he's got his finger on the trigger and he could nuke us. You know, he keeps threatening to nuke us. And blah, blah. He's actually been very much more under control than even I thought he would be given the circumstances. And what are those circumstances? Russia has been invaded from the West several times uh, in its, what is it, eight or 900 year history. However long Russia has been a country, there has been this threat and not just a threat. It's actually happened uh, at least four times. Even the king of, I believe it's one of the Scandinavian countries, it was either Sweden or Finland, tried to invade Russia uh, back in the late Middle Ages. Um, uh, you had, the, uh, of course, the Nazis. Uh, you had Napoleon. Uh, so this is not just, yes, Russia does have an obsession with this, but it's a justified obsession. It's actually happened repeatedly, these invasions from the West. And what is the preferred route into the interior where an army, if they get in, could march all the way to Moscow? Right through Ukraine. Yeah. So in other right words, Ukraine. so in other words, it works both ways. I mean, Ukraine is a strategic geographic country, both for Russia, uh, which we do know that prophetically in God's time, obviously they're gonna they're gonna march, and there's different you know ways they could get there, but to come from the north down into to Israel, Ezekiel 38 and 39. But you, what you're pointing out is that you know just you know set aside their political bent and their communism or this or that, just as a country, you know they right. got to protect themselves from poten potentially aggressive nations, and Hitler's a great case in point. Uh, and so you know they're. Uh, they're being you in your view, they've been kind of reasonable. Uh, I've heard Putin multiple times over this war issue what might be called lines in the sand. You know, if you do this, you were going to do it. Are those real or are those just kind of drummed up in the media? Well, those, those warnings he keeps putting out these warnings, but then the West seems to cross that red line and he does nothing. Hmm. Um, so it is clear to me, and it, Here's another posture that we get from the media uh, repeatedly. Putin wants to restore the old Soviet empire. He wants to take all of Eastern Europe. That is another false claim. If that were true, why does he not launch, an, launch attacks every time the West crosses one of his red lines? You know, uh, the U.S. destroyed the Nord Stream uh, gas pipeline. Uh, they've blown up the bridge, the main bridge that connects Crimea to Russia, which without Crimea, which historically has been part of Russia, but then went to Ukraine in recent years, and now Russia took it back in 2014. Without that port on the Black Sea, Russia basically has no naval uh, presence. Hmm. Um, so these are all things that are existential threats to Russia. If Ukraine is a NATO member, which to me, they're already a de facto NATO, even though they're not technically a member of NATO, uh, they are a de facto member of NATO. The way we are uh, uh, arming them to the hilt, uh, have been building up their military forces since 2014, uh, launched a coup against a pro-Russian, duly elected pro-Russian uh, president in 2014. See, this war really started in 2014. That's another thing that the that that the U.S. media, the Western media, uh, by the way, the U.K. media is even worse on this issue than the than the American media. <laughs> yeah, they are, and and we installed uh, a, a puppet uh, president uh, right. who's from a you know reality TV background. Kind of sounds familiar. It's like the you know these uh, powers that be don't don't have a you know but one uh, script to play. They just use it again and again in these uh, color revolutions. But uh, 
Yeah. Uh, so, so, so he's not he's not this trigger happy madman who wants to reclaim all of Eastern Europe uh, and maybe march into Western Europe the way he's portrayed. Um, uh, so, so he's he's very rational, very calculating, uh, very restrained in his response. But there's one thing he just cannot tolerate, and that is, you know, uh, this big military force with missiles and Patriot missiles and offensive and defensive missiles right there on his border. This would be the same as if Russia were putting these Russia or China were putting uh, 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 stacking weapons, missiles and 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 armies in Mexico on our border. Or would, would we tolerate that? Absolutely not. Yeah. Or for example, Cuba. I mean, we've we've been right. here before, right? And how did we respond? But let me be let me be clear for our listeners. Uh, I don't I don't think you're pro-Russia, right? You're just anti-war, as we all should be, in a sense. Uh, and 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 you're also recognizing that things are not always as they appear, right? It's not about things are not always as they appear. And even in prophetic uh biblical passages. Like I keep hearing uh, talk about Ezekiel 38 and 39 and Russia's, I mean, yeah, Russia is going to invade Israel. Uh, number one, there's debate about the timetable as to when that'll happen. Some say it'll be before the, uh, you know, the Lord's return. Other people say it's at some point, you know, in the thousand year after the thousand year reign. Uh, but then let's even just look at it. Let's, for the sake of argument, say that it is something that's that could take place eminently and when i say eminently i say in the let's say in the next five to 25 years uh let's for the sake of argument say okay that's the right interpretation on the timing uh before you know the rapture and all that um how do we know that it would be putin who does this uh how do we not know that putin might not be defeated in this war and that and that the West, NATO, has installed a puppet leader like they have in every other Western capital. And it is therefore actually the West that's invading Israel using I the mean, Russian troops. Let's talk about that for a second. So a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, in my eschatology book, What Lies Ahead, I have a chapter on Gog and Magog. And you're right. There are I think there are at least eight views uh, on when that battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39 could happen. Now, most people correctly uh, do not identify it with the separate Gog and Magog reference in the end of the millennium. So they're t that's two different things. By that time, Gog and Magog has sort of become a, a uh, pejorative term for any enemy of Israel, kind of like Babylon mm -hmm. or you know that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but the actual description in Ezekiel 38 and 39 is very clear, very specific. It's talking about a literal invasion uh, from the north. Uh, but it's it's interesting to me how, you know, so often Bible prophecy enthusiasts and, and dispensationalists, which I'm a un, unapologetic dispensationalist, but we're kind of the worst offenders at this. We will draw from the newspaper first and the Bible second. And there have been multiple predecessors of Putin who everybody right. said, oh, he's the Antichrist. Yes. You know, Mikhail Gorbachev with that you know spot that he had. Right. That's right. the mark of the beast. I, and all this I'm old stuff. enough to remember that. Yes. <laughs> Me and you both. And so, um, so I agree with you that we have to be careful uh, to let the scripture speaks where it speaks. And then, you know, we can speculate, but we got to be clear that that's what it is. Uh, I do think that the uh, from basically what we see happening, it seems like the stage is being set for such a an invasion. But can we say that it's going to happen imminently? The other thing I would point out is that from my perspective, uh, I don't think and I know we, you and I might disagree a little bit on the timing of the rapture and some of that stuff. So that's, which is fine. That's beyond the scope of what we're talking about. But I just wanted to clarify that I don't believe even if it were to happen in our lifetime, that it could happen imminently. I think it has to happen after the rapture, but before the tribulation, yeah, okay. so I put it in that gap of time there. Um, Tim LaHaye, who was a uh, colleague of mine, um, I talked to him on a few occasions. Uh, uh, he, in the left behind series, puts Gog and Magog before the rapture as part of a literary thing. Which but he, just, uh, in my opinion, that was one of the worst movies. The movie? Uh, or, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. think that corrupted so many American Christians' views of how things are going to play out 
uh, on things that, as you said, we can speculate on, but that movie presented it as fact. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I don't, yeah. I mean, he, where I was going with that is he did not hold that view. He held uh, the same view that I and a lot of other, uh, you know, prophecy experts hold that it happens after the rapture, but Jerry mm -hmm. Jenkins kind of, you know, convinced, convinced him, Hey, this is a, this makes for a better story. Uh, I don't know. I, I think, uh, that's a minor point in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and personally, I felt like the Left Behind series did a lot to awaken people to the reality of Bible prophecy, whereas it had become a dying subject uh, uh, prior to that. But anyway, setting aside that, back to you know yeah. to Putin. Um, so, do you think he's capable then of launching, being provoked into a hot war? That is a great question. Uh, if backed far enough into a corner, yes. Uh, I don't believe that there's anything Ukraine could do that would uh, back him that far into a corner. But if, say, these uh, F-16s arrive in September like they're supposed to, uh, this fall, September, October, and say that uh, Ukraine or, or the 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 commanders in Ukraine realize, and I think that they, they this is a very plausible possible thing, realize that they can't get Ukrainian pilots up to speed in time uh, in the training program. They're training them right now. Uh, that's the only thing holding them up. Uh, but if they start getting shot down, carte blanche by you know the the Russian uh, uh, forces both on the ground and in the air. Uh, and so then we start seeing American pilots in those F-16s launching attacks inside Russia. Now, that is something that I do think uh, would probably push him across the over the edge and say, you know what? OK, I'm done. And so he starts launching cruise missile attacks at Berlin, uh, you know, London, uh, uh, Paris, uh, and who knows, maybe New York, um, Washington, D.C. Um, if they've already been attacking Moscow, the, the Ukrainians with drones, OK, and he's been tolerating that. And this last one from a couple nights ago was apparently pretty intense, uh, destroyed a building or, there in Moscow, whereas a lot of them were just kind of, you know, uh, nothing burgers. This this last one actually hit some pretty uh, uh, solid targets and did quite a bit of damage and injured, I think, nine people. But, um, you know, so if if they're willing to if NATO is and, and Ukraine is just a vassal, it's like the 51st state of the <laughs> United States. So if if NATO is allowing that, why wouldn't they allow at some point uh, American pilots to, uh, you know, let's look at the regime in Washington. Everything is falling down around its feet. The economy is going in the tank. Uh, Biden is coming under increased uh, uh, pressure from uh, the the Republicans in Congress exposing. They're not able to do anything about it, mind you, because but they are exposing the corruption of the Biden crime family, making uh, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars off these foreign deals, peddling influence. While Biden was mostly while he was vice president, this was going on. OK. Um, and uh, so and they've got an election coming up next year. So I would not be surprised if they are right now in their war strategy planning rooms, planning attacks on Russia and yeah. broadening, broadening this war, because let's face it, they're about to run out of cannon fodder in the Ukraine, Ukrainian. 250 to 300,000 Ukrainians have lost their lives in this war. That is horrific. Yeah. I mean, how much longer can they go uh burning through these Ukrainian lives? I've under I've uh, uh saw I think it was Colonel uh McGregor or somebody like that who said the other day that, that you know what they do when they the Ukrainian uh uh military uh army members are are tired of this war. They don't want to continue it because they see where it's leading. And a lot of them don't want to fight. Now, do you know what they're doing to force them to fight? They have been lobbying. If there will be a unit of Ukrainians in a bunker 
And if they refused the order to go and charge into the front, the Ukrainians lob a uh, grenade into the bunker and kill them, kill mm. their own people. Yeah, well, I mean, the the, the powers that be, which I, which which I call the Luciferians, and that's what they call themselves. Uh, they certainly have no regard for life. I mean, they killed a million Iraqis no. in that war, you know, and people don't ever talk about that. And people are quick, especially conservative Christians who still buy into the fake right left paradigm. They're quick to talk about the Biden crime family, but they never talk about the Bush crime family. Right. Um, right. But uh, do you believe, as I do, that, you know, we, so far today, we've been talking a lot about the, 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 the logistics of Russia, Ukraine, as if it were organic as if it really were putin versus zelensky but do you believe as i do that there's a greater power at play here that really there's somebody holding putin back and that it's not about what it's about that that really when the time is right this thing will explode into a some type of a military conflagration and uh you know that that putin i mean he may think he's in control and right. to a certain extent he is but i just feel like there's History has shown time and again that most wars, the official narrative of how they got started is false, that there was something else behind it. What's your take on that? I think that the uh, official narrative on how wars get started are used to whip the populations up into supporting the war. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, the attack on Pearl Harbor was used to gain the support of the Americans to enter that war. Uh, Second World War. But there's always, uh, and as you said, even the leaders can feel like they're in control. Uh, but I guess what happens, uh, people, and, and who are these people who are, as you sort of described, above the fray, you know, outside entities? They're, they're people in the financial sector is where they tend to be. Uh, and they're the ones who can, let's just say, limit the options of a national leader uh, to the point where he feels forced to do a, uh, take a certain action that these outside powers want him to take. Um, this has been going on, you know, probably since the dawn of time, you oh, know, yeah. but cer certainly yeah. since the, uh, you know, these powerful international banker types have been leveraging their, their, yeah. their power. Absolutely. The Rockefellers, the Warburgs, the the, the uh, uh, Carnegie's, you know, all of the power structure from the turn of the 20th century. But the concept of false flag narratives to to to, to get support in the whole Hegelian dialectic uh, goes way back even before the turn of the 20th century. You know, it goes back to uh, things like the Spanish-American War. Um, but yeah, I mean, World War Two, you mentioned Pearl Harbor. Uh, you you know, we could talk about the, the false uh uh start to the vietnam war with gulf the, of tonkin the yeah. fake gulf of tonkin incident which never happened it, it came out 50 years later they admitted mm. it never happened yep. a lot of research yep. knew that was the case so you've got in in the in the conspiracy parlance of of studying the hegelian dialectic and false flags and the real historical narrative you've got you know two different terms that people should familiarize themselves one with one is called lihop and one is my hop it's an acronym lihop l-i-h-o-p stands for let it happen on purpose the other is my hop made it happen on purpose you end up in the same place i think pearl harbor was a lihop i think we knew it was coming and, and we let it happen in order to invoke uh, people i know that for people that are patriots like my family and i uh it's hard to swallow to think that your government would do this but you've got to get past that you got to get over you've the got fact. to you know the you government will never understand what's going on until you get past that <laughs> totally agree totally agree and it doesn't mean that they're not great patriotic men and women who've served faithfully in various positions in government but by and large our government's been hijacked by a bunch of luciferians who are yes. uh, working out uh, at satan's behest their agenda uh, i think uh, gulf of tonkin uh was a you know uh, was 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 just a, a completely made up thing. They made it happen, and and it didn't really happen the way they said it did. So there's different ways uh, to do it. But yeah, I just can't escape the feeling, Leo, that uh, you know what's happening over there. Uh, the the narrative just keeps changing, which always tells me that the media is you know, a, an unwitting pawn in the game, you know, they're not in on the inside scoop of what's really yeah, happening. Not, not yeah. at all. And, and, <laughs> and I don't think they're very smart people. Uh, the, the media that we are left with now, 
uh, after um, going back to 9-11, then you've got uh, COVID, you know, anybody who questioned any of those narratives has been rooted out of the media. Uh, you know, your Lara Logan's, your your Cheryl Atkinson's, you know, these were legitimate journalists who worked in the mainstream media. They've all been rooted out now. Mm. Uh, so what we are left with is this core of 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 people who are just loyal to the core of their masters, the, the their editors, their publishers, their producers, the bosses. Uh, they will put out any story. They will ignore any story that they are told to uh, report on or not report on. I guess what I'm saying is we are left with the worst of the worst in terms of the journalistic integrity of the uh, the corporate mainstream media. Uh, yeah. the, all of the good ones are gone and, and, and working either independently or just retired at this point. Yeah, totally agree. They they uh, they'll let you for a, a period of time be controlled opposition, uh, but at some point they'll yank you off of there and make you suffer, and they'll even kill you. I mean, they they're Tucker Carlson of- is just the most recent example. Yeah, yeah, and I I think I have different views on Tucker. I, I've said even in my book. Uh, I predicted that he was going to be, uh, you know, yanked off of there. I think he was c- explicitly controlled opposition. If you know his background and some of his journey and his story, he's not quite the champion of conservative causes that people think he is. But clearly, we agreed with a lot of what he says and continue to agree with it. He does give voice to the principles of conservatism and so forth. But I still think he's he's a controlled opposition, uh, just like Rush Limbaugh mm-hmm. was and others. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you just don't an independent. I guess there's I guess there's levels of control. You know, I right. think they put these people in a box and say, don't go outside of it. Right. You know, yeah. and and if Tucker or somebody even poked his nose outside of that box to take a look around and, ah, there is uh, some information about vaccines that we're not allowed to report, you know. And, and so he, you know, just mentions it a time or two, uh, you know, and, and so now he's targeted. Um, yeah. But whereas he had he'd he'd operated for 90 percent of his career, 99 percent, perhaps. Uh, within the, the confines within yeah. the confines that were set for him as controlled opposition, uh, he he violated the uh, de- the deal, the contract. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think when you get too big for them, where you become a threat to yeah. them, then that's another yeah. thing they they try to do. But uh, you know, going back to these uh, media that are left, uh, I don't think it's you know necessarily tightly controlled or monolithic. I think there are a few that actually stupidly believe what they, you know, promote on the air. Uh, they've become deceived, especially in the realm of the the pandemic and the so-called vaccine. Uh, but I think a large percentage, more than half, in my estimation, they understand they're perpetuating a lie. They have. Oh, yeah. They can't be that stupid. I mean, it's the well, data. I, I worked everywhere. in the. I worked in mainstream media for twenty eight years. And I can tell you from my experience in newspapers, at least, I never worked in and and the newspaper journalists were considered the smart ones. Right. Uh, More so than some some of the TV journalists where you just had to have the certain look. Right. You know, uh, to to make it big. Uh, The the newspaper journalists were the ones, you know, down there in the trenches and uh, they may have been fat and ugly. And they, you know, they still knew how to report, you know, and getting ferret out those facts. Yeah, and let me tell you, the majority of them, the majority of them, A, just work for a paycheck, uh, and B, they're really not that smart. Um, I have said for years now that uh, to be a, and and don't take, I can criticize my own industry because I, you know, went through, I worked in this industry, as I said, for 28 years. But from my experience, the three dumbest people Groups of people, I'm talking generally now, obviously there's exceptions, right? Are uh, journalists, school teachers, and politicians. Yeah. And we might have a fourth too these days, pastors, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, I mean, the way pastors just uh, rolled over and worshiped at the altar of Trump was just uh, despicable to me. And it shows they don't, not only do they not know their Bible, they don't know history because- 
there have been multiple times throughout 2,000 years of church history where the church has capitulated to the government and it never ends well. Uh, and that's God, that's not God's divine design. But yeah, you're right. I mean, um, you know, these uh, going back to your distinction between uh, media on television versus print media. I've all I've often felt the same way that you know the, the the like you for example you know you're an exceptional writer and I love reading uh, columnists that you know really write well I mean they they can turn a phrase they can articulate a flow of thought most TV uh, personalities are just teleprompter readers, right? I mean, right. Uh, you know, it's famously been said these days in television, the makeup artist is more valuable than the speechwriter. I mean, they don't, they don't care about anything other than how they look. But, uh, but what you're saying is from 28 years of experience, even in the print journalist world, uh, some of those people were not uh, all they were cracked up to be, right? Exactly. You know, it was a job. Uh, they, they tried their best to make their bosses happy. Uh, but the people who got promoted uh, up the ladder tended to be the ones who were not uh, really, the, let's say, the deep thinkers. They were tended to be the ones who wanted to advance the newspaper's technology. OK, uh, what can we do better with computers? What can we do better with graphics? What can we do better to present the news in a sparkly a uh, wonderful way that will appeal to a, a larger audience. If you were smarter in that sense, let's say, than the one who just let's break this story, let's get this story that nobody else is reporting on and that the people need to know for their uh, well-being uh, going forward, whether it's the, uh, you know, at the local, state or national level, those are not the people who tend to get the promotions. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, there's a whole, there's certainly no shortage of a female journalist at Fox News that can tell you what it takes to get to the top. I mean, that's been well documented. <laughs> right. That's been well documented. Um, so I want to go back to Russia's role in the New World Order. Uh, so here's my my working premise, uh, which you may or may not agree with, but my working premise starts with the Bible, which we know that uh, Russia uh, plays a role in end times prophecy. Uh, that much we can say. We can't necessarily say when with certainty and so forth, but they play a role. So therefore, it's not it's not inappropriate to be focusing our attention on some of the geopolitical happenings over there. Um, but what do you see as a most likely, I know you're just guessing, but I value your opinion, as a most likely scenario? You mentioned one, which is that the West and NATO continue to poke the bear and eventually you know, Putin respond, reacts. Um, do you think that's what's, you know, likely to happen next? Or is there going to be, is that just a head fake over there in Ukraine and maybe something related to Russia, I mean, to related to China, Taiwan, North Korea, uh, Iran and Israel and something like that is going to boil over and then all eyes are going to shift to another scene? What What is your best guess? Well, I was for a while thinking, you know, that that China was going to any day now maybe make the play for Taiwan. But they've been sitting back watching. And the longer they do that, uh, I'm starting to understand their position a little bit better. Why would they invest that capital uh, and make that move on Taiwan when the chances are that the leading supporter of Taiwan, which is the United States, um, is emptying out its arsenal in Ukraine. Um, and uh, perhaps that this is just the start of it and we'll actually put boots on the ground and then exhaust not just our, our munitions, but also our uh, manpower in our military. Um, and and you start seeing American fighter pilots, like I said, and being shot down and and uh, boots on the ground being wiped out. And well, if I was China, I would just sit back and wait. Yeah. I would just sit back and wait. And by the time it's all over, maybe Taiwan will say, you know what? Our biggest benefactor, our biggest supporter is now uh, been exposed as a paper tiger. And uh, maybe we just should cut a deal with China and and basically voluntarily hand themselves over as opposed to get into a shooting war. Yeah, no question. You mentioned Napoleon earlier. Of course, he famously said, never interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake. And yes. uh, yeah, that's a great uh, that's a very good point that, uh, you know, there's so many 
fronts where uh, geopolitical analysts who are awake to the to the new world order and what's really happening you know, will will focus their obsession, you know, oh, Iran's going to invade Israel and the U.S. is going to have to come to their defense or yes, I, I, Israel's going to do a preemptive strike or North Korea is going to go off half cocked or, you know, right. really, you know, a lot of those enemy nations are probably just sitting back thinking, you know what, you're destroying yourself. I don't right. really have to engage you right now. You know Exactly. Yeah. And who would want to who would want to invade the United States right now? where, as the Japanese emperor said, there's a, a firearm or a, a weapon under every blade of grass. Yeah. You know, there's more firearms in the United States than there are people. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and while I get it, they're not well-trained like an army. You know, you get enough people, even if they're not well-trained enough, you get enough people with AR-15s. And, uh, you know, who wants to really go house to house and clean that up? That would be a dangerous operation. Yeah. Um, so uh, why not? And, and at the same time, you're watching the, 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 the country so divided, the United States just really melting down all by itself. As I said, emptying out its arsenal to Ukraine, perhaps putting boots on the ground soon. Um, uh, yeah, if I'm China, I'm just going to play the middle road, pretend like I'm neutral uh, in this thing as much as possible. We all know they're on Russia's side. Uh, but you know what? Uh, if Russia were to defeat the West, I have no doubt that then maybe Russia and China wouldn't be such great uh, friends. Oh, but yeah. but I and I and I had been leaning towards that, that Russia's going to defeat NATO. But I don't I'm not so sure of it anymore. Uh, JB, uh, the yeah. fact that the, the West seems so darn determined to press this thing to the very uh, limit. Um, it could be that there's no winners. There could be no winners, both uh, the, the U.S. It, well, let's look at it from a globalist perspective for a moment. If you are one of these multi-multi-multi-billionaire uh, uh, globalists, and I'm talking 10 times richer than Bill Gates or uh, any of these others, the ones who, if I said their names, people wouldn't even recognize them probably. Yep, yep. You know, they always say Bill Gates or, uh, what's the guy, the Rock Amazon Rockefeller, or yeah, or, uh, um, Jeff Bezos, people like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bezos. They always say those are like the richest men in the world. Mm -mm. Totally false. Yeah. Right. I, I bet you that the, uh, the Royal family in Britain alone, uh, you never hear about them they probably have more money than all those guys put together. Uh, and that not to mention the Rothschilds. Um, so if you're one of them and you're wanting to put together a one world system, a one world beast system uh, that completely negates any national sovereignty, and you're looking out across the world right now in the current geopolitical world order, what are the two biggest impediments you see to that, to, to, to you uh, reaching your goal of a one world government? And if I'm them, I see Russia and the United States. Yeah. Russia, because it has a strong man in power, Vladimir Putin, who, by the way, again, completely contrary to the West, what you would believe if you read the Western media, is very popular among his people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me just this interject is, on that point real quick. Don't don't lose your train of thought. But yeah. we have a uh, a missionary speaker in recently at our home church at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, who's Russian, and he's actually serving in Budapest, but he's from Russia. And uh, he, I asked him that question during the Q and A, and he said, "Yeah, absolutely. People love Putin because he gives them a sense of national pride, and he's strong right. and so forth." So yeah, yeah, he he's to me is more like one of the old Russian czars than he is a communist. Uh, he is a dictator, but he's a popular dictator. He has the people's support. And this is we again, we look at it through Western eyes. Uh, dictatorships, authoritarianism is probably a better word. Authoritarianism is is very unpopular in our Western culture, but it's not in the Russian culture. 
Uh, they've always had authoritarian regimes and they like them. OK, get that through your head, people. <laughs> um, so you've got Russia as an impediment because you've got this extreme nationalist strongman who has the complete, not complete, but probably 75 percent approval ratings in his country on the one hand. And then you've got the United States, which the leadership of the United States is certainly no threat to the one one world government. They're they're trying to foment the speed that up. If you look at what they're doing through the UN World Health Organization, trying to get this new pandemic accord passed, which would uh, uh, shift sovereignty over public health emergencies from the national level to the international level and put that all under the WHO. This country's government is 100% sold on a one world system. However, America is still an impediment, not because of its leadership, like in Russia, but because of its people. We're still too individualist, even after all the indoctrination, all of the uh, propaganda for, for generations in the, in the media, in the educational systems of America, where these, these Marxists have basically infiltrated, even the churches. After all that, I still think there's uh, too much of this rugged individualism uh, among Americans uh, where I'm not going to take orders from him, you know, and, you know, it's not as much as it used to be. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's still there to an extent. And because of that, it's an impediment to the one world system. I don't think if tomorrow, uh, why do you think, you know, Biden doesn't. The Biden administration and, and the Federal Reserve doesn't just announce tomorrow we're going to a new digital currency. Everyone will have a digital ID. Uh, they would if they thought they could get away with it. Right. Right. Yep. I totally but agree. They know yeah. we're not ready for, to accept that yet. So you've got to uh, further degrade the American people, the Russian people. Uh, and how do you do that? You pit them against each other in a world war. And that's why you see everything moving in that direction. I cannot agree more. Very well said. I mean, it's uh, uh, I've said for a long time that I, I just don't think they're going to be able to push a button and roll out some of these authoritarian, uh, you know, things like the digital currency and the digital right. are working on it and they're going to get the low hanging fruit. Plenty of people sure. will stupidly sign up for it. Sure. But uh, this country and what we stand for historically in terms of our freedoms and, and, and biblical worldview in the early days, those kind of things is a huge, huge impediment. And so they're weakening us and they're, yes. they're pulling out all the stops to do that. But I, I think what's going to ultimately bring down America if the Lord doesn't come back before then, uh, and I don't, you know, and we may very well be living uh, through, you know, through a, a regime change and, and, and move and move toward a one world system. But what will bring our country down, I think, is going to be some type of cataclysmic unfreezing event uh, that mm -hmm. at that yeah. point, people will be so shell shocked that, you know, as Kissinger famously said one time, they'll be begging for, you know, the yes. world order to come in and rescue us. And so uh, I think it's a both and. I do think, obviously, the trajectory of our country is very concerning, and, and we see so many things happening. You know, by the way, when you talk about how the populace here in America does not like authoritarianism the way the Russian citizens do, to me, that's one of the great ironies because it's it's you know it's kind of a pot calling the kettle black situation with America and Russia. We claim to be a democratic republic, right? right. But in reality, we are nothing other than just a, a veiled authoritarian dictatorship. And always have doesn't matter doesn't matter whether it's a Republican or Democrat in the White House. We're still you know the same thing. Um, and, and I think you know. what's gone on this 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 week, you know, it, it bears out exactly what you're saying. Yeah. What what truly democratic republic would uh, uh, see the the power the, the 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 administration that's in power go and arrest his main political opposition? Right. You know, yeah. that just that just doesn't happen in democratic, truly democratic countries. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, uh, you know, yeah, the, the, I don't, I can't even keep up with the whole Trump thing. I mean, that is such a circus freak show side show that's distracting everybody. It's just, it's, it's unreal. And yet people just jump on one side, you know, or the other, but they, uh, you know, this, uh, 
you know, this authoritarianism is something that people need to to see beyond the veil of yes. alleged democracy, which as as I've talked about before, you know, right. we have elections, we have selections. It's, it's right. But you know, what back during the pandemic, when so-called conservatives were out there using their govern governors, you know, edicts and you know, uh declarations and you know, whatever you call them, uh to to pass, you know, regulations that we might agree with with the, the stroke of a pen so many conservatives were swept up in that yeah i like you know abbott in texas or you know i like uh so and so because he's makes making sure you 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 can't force someone to wear a mask or you can't do this or you can't do that and i was always saying be careful what you wish for because you know when a when a liberal or democrat you know with a stroke of a pen uses some executive privilege we all oh outcry this is totalitarianism obama is the dictator in chief but when a conservative does it because we happen to like right what doing we're like oh this is great well that that might be fine for now but you know then you can't later argue when that same leader uses an executive decree to do something like, hey, get on the train or head to the FEMA camp. You can't argue well, he doesn't have the constitutional right to do that because you you let him do it when he when you liked what he was doing. Exactly. So, so we've got to be really careful about seeing beyond uh, you know being so short sighted and myopic. This is why, yes, after 9-11, I was one of the few at, at that time uh my wife and I own, owned a small weekly newspaper, you know, two thousand two and they're coming out with the USA Patriot Act. And I was writing uh, editorials against that, saying, why are Republicans voting for this? Because while they're going after the uh, uh, Islamic terrorists now, this infrastructure that's being put in place could easily be flipped around and turned inward to go against we the people. And sure enough, that's exactly what they've done with it. You no longer hear about the threat of Islamic terrorism from our government. It's all about what? Domestic uh, terrorists. <laughs> domestic, right wing, uh, you know, uh, they have all kinds of names for us, JB. <laughs> yep, they do. And that was the plan all along, by the way. I mean, right. Uh, you, that's what you I were, thought, too. You yeah. were right to sound the alarm. Uh, and sadly, to my shame back in that time, because I didn't wake up till 2007 to the reality of the world, and it was quite a pivotal moment. I tell that story in the introduction to uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1. But back in the immediate aftermath of 9-1-1, I was, I was one of those right there saying, you know, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, why do you care if they're spying on you? And stuff? You know, just all right, the, right. the ridiculously absurd points that I should have known better. But, you know, I was... Everybody too. has their uh, their aha moment, you know, yeah. where they wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the pandemic did it for a lot of people because it's yeah. the same story 20 years later. They create a boogeyman. It used to be the unseen Islamic terrorist cells that are hiding behind every bush on every corner. And now it's the unseen enemy of a virus that if, yes. you, if you come within five feet, 11 and a half inches of someone, you're going to die, you know? Yes. So, yes. so they, they give us all your, you know, money, give us all your freedoms. Let us take care of you from this unseen boogeyman. And it's, uh, it's, it's embarrassing how predictable these Luciferians are at trying mm -hmm. to do what they can. But, um, Real quick before we close, back to you know to Russia and kind of this geopolitical posturing that's going on. I could not have said it better that there are two things standing in the way right now uh, of this one world system rolling out, and that is Russia and America. China is is definitely has their own ideas. It's not a monolithic conspiracy where you know, you push a button and, you know, something happens. I mean, there's competing factions and there's agendas and mistakes and, and, and betrayals. And I think China is not necessarily a card carrying member of the ultimate conspiracy. I think they're kind of have their own desires, but they're also waiting and just kind of waiting in the wings uh, and the Bible does talk about, you know, uh, this 200 million man army from the east, and which could be from, you know, a place like China. So there's very real evidence that they play a role in the end times. But I don't think right now we need to be looking toward the horizon, wondering if a missile is going to come from China. I think we need to yeah. recognize that that they're trying to foment uh, a battle between 
Russia and the United States, most likely over Ukraine. And that you said it earlier, you know, next year would be the perfect time from their perspective to do it in an election year, because yep. uh, then they can use the war to polarize people and and prop up their candidate. You know, that and they- that would be an excellent opportunity as well uh, for them to round up their their political enemies. Yeah. Um you know, uh, they would be going through people's writings, people's videos with a fine tooth comb looking for anything that they could twist around and make them sound what, you know, un-American. Um, and and, and uh, during a time of war is when a government has the most has the longest leash uh, to go after political enemies. And I think oh, yeah. that that would work in their favor as well. Uh, you know, uh, those camps are probably being readied right now. No doubt. And that goes all the way back to the Civil War with Lincoln. I mean, he yes, used yes. the pretext of that war to as an excuse to completely obliterate the Constitution. Uh, whatever you think about the man, there's no question that's a fact. If you go to the Lincoln Memorial, the, I mean, the Lincoln the Museum in Illinois, which we've been there, they they highlight that with great big banners with light shining on them about how proud they are that Lincoln destroyed the Constitution during that time because he had to do it for the good of the people. You for know? the good of the people. <laughs> Zelensky's doing the same thing in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's outlawed all uh, competing political parties. He's mm-hmm. shut down any unfriendly anti-war media. Uh He's rounding up people, kids as young as 17 years old and throwing them into the meat grinder. Mm. Uh, it's a total 100 percent dictatorship. And he's like we said, they're they're shooting or or, or killing uh, any troops that refuse to go into battle. So, yeah, yeah the meat, the meat grinder, does. the meat grinder reference, that's a metaphor for the war. Right. Yes. They're not literally putting them in a meat grinder. Right. That's a metaphor for this war, correct? Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure. I was pretty sure that's what you meant, but these days <laughs> nothing would surprise these me. These days, honestly. right? <laughs> so, but uh, well, Leo, you are always such a blessing to talk to. I really appreciate your perspective. You know, uh, I know if not everyone's going to agree on some of this, but recognizing fundamentally that it's never about what it's about. Let's start there, and then we might every now and then poke through the the ruse and see something coming that otherwise would have blindsided us. I'm a firm believer that we need to challenge the uh, narratives uh, that are very carefully crafted, shall we say, coming from our government and the uh, corporate, their corporate mainstream media partners. Amen. Yeah, well, so let me close out with uh, a scripture passage from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Many of our listeners will know this one by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And I want to encourage folks to, you know, to take everything we say and talk about, run it through the grid of Scripture, try to uh, interpret uh, culture, society, geopolitics through the lens of Scripture, not the other way around. You know, so many people start with the newspaper and try to force fit the Bible into what they've speculated about. Let's keep the Bible front and center. And for those of you that may not know the Lord, that means, first of all, trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone as your Savior. That's priority number one. We're not promised tomorrow. Uh, Everyone is born in sin and in need of a Savior. And if you have not received the free gift of eternal life by placing your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone as the only one who can save you, let me implore you to do that today. If you already have trusted in Christ and you know the Lord, just continue to stay in His Word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and uh, and uh, keep looking up because these are definitely uh, interesting times, to say the least. Right, Leo? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Well, thanks, thanks so much, and we'll we'll have you back on. Uh, you know, I always love talking to you about certain things and kind of getting your uh, your perspective. But thanks for taking your time with us today. Uh, God bless you, everyone. Continue to uh, tune in for uh, more podcasts tomorrow. Check out our website at notbyworks.org for uh, coming uh, podcasts and events and things like that. God bless everyone. Have a great week.